0: Thank you very much. Muito simpatico. You are very kind, as they say in Portugal. So It's good to be with you today. Uh, I've been traveling a lot. I just got back from Africa. It was 84 degrees a week ago. And that uh, was 26 on my run a couple of days ago. So that's a little different between 84 and 26. Uh, but God is doing great things. We're planting some more churches in Angola. Hungry people for God there. I ordained six new pastors there while I was there. And so uh, God has blessed us. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about being children of light. And so you just sang about that. Tim wrote a great song on children of light, that we have victory. And so I want to talk about being children of light. I think it's especially important in this day and time when we live. Sometimes we get our focus off of life and on death. I know I've told you before that I am not anti-death, I'm life. I'm not anti-darkness, I'm light. I'm not even anti-antichrist, I'm Christ. I'm not anti-sickness, I'm healing. God is life, God is a giver. When he destroys the works of the devil, he does it simply by doing the work of God. Jesus did the works of his father, that destroyed the works of the devil. His goal was not to destroy the works of the devil. His goal was to restore the works of the Father. So sometimes we we get off focus. Uh, A lot of people talk about end times. I'm not so interested in end times as I am in eternal time. I've told you before, I'm 68. My last day was 50 years ago when I accepted Jesus into my life. <laughs> and the life that I now live, I live in Christ and it's so wonderful that even when I physically die, I can't stay dead. Hallelujah. Because I have eternal life, which is knowing God the Father, knowing Jesus the Son and that's only possible by fellowship of Holy Spirit. So children of light, our focus in life is determined by the focus of our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 through 10, he says you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now some translations say, "Or the fruit of light is goodness, righteousness, and truth." And so my translation is quoting from the Greek text of the Receptus Textus, which is a version of the Greek. Uh, there are some older versions that use the word "phos" instead of. Pneuma, there instead of spirit, they use the word light. Um, both are true. The fruit of light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's true, but I'm not always good at knowing what is good, righteous, and truth. So, I like the version that says the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And the fruit of the spirit, Paul tells us what the fruit of the spirit is. So, if the fruit is not there. There's something in me that is off. Something's not good. Something's not in a right relationship. Something's not true. I'm never condemned by that. I'm just simply adjusted by that. So when anxiety or frustration manifests in me, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. You can't do fruit. Fruit happens. Love happens. Joy happens. Peace happens. Even self-control is a fruit. You can try to do it as a discipline of the flesh, but what that is is like sweeping the reality under the rug and pretending it's not there. It's like telling a child to to be submissive and all they're doing is being obedient. But they're standing up inside. If you've been a parent or you are a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Submission will always obey, but obedience doesn't mean you necessarily submit. It means you're gritting your teeth. And, and God doesn't want anyone to grit their teeth. He didn't give us a, a spirit of bondage. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love, of power, of a sound mind. And so I like the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So our focus will determine our focus of in life will be determined by the focus of our hearts. Do I know... That my Father is light, and do I know that I am light? The book of James is a great book. James writes about works that speak of our faith toward God. And by the way, faith is always toward a person, it's not toward a promise. If your faith is toward a promise, you're going to be greatly disappointed in life because in 50 years of knowing God, I seldom have ever seen a promise come to pass the way I thought it would. I can't even think of one promise that (laughs) came to pass the way I thought it would. But I have many promises that came to pass better than I thought they would. I have many promises that came to pass better than I thought they would through pain. (laughs) So pain is not a bad thing. It's a testimony that I'm alive. (laughs) If I didn't feel any pain, I'd be dead. So I'm glad that sometimes I have to go through some struggle. I have to go through some wrestle. And that reveals how valuable the outcome really is. You see, Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And the joy that was set before him was that men, women, sons, and daughters would know who their heavenly father is. He came to do the father's will. The father always saw us as children of God, but we didn't see him as our father. Sin never stopped God from seeing us for who we're meant to be. It only stopped us from seeing God for who he really is. So the book of James is about faith that's demonstrated in works, and he talks about the testing of your faith. He starts it out by, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask. Now, wisdom will get you from today into tomorrow. How many of you want to get into tomorrow? I want to get into tomorrow. I don't want to be stuck in today. Now, that's going to take some wisdom. It's going to take wisdom to get from today to tomorrow. So I need some wisdom. I'm going to ask. But I need to ask like a little child. Don't ask doubting. Ask expecting because your father loves you and he wants to get you from today into tomorrow. But he doesn't want to get you there until it's tomorrow. He wants you to live today so that you can also move into tomorrow and live then also. He doesn't want you to be dead today in the hope that you'll have a tomorrow. Uh, you know, like was said, we worship the God of breakthrough, not breakthrough, because we, we got plenty of God in our life today. Breakthrough will come tomorrow. <laughs> so we ask without doubting or wisdom. And then it says every good, and then he talks about the testing. God doesn't test anyone, but there's stuff in us that we're drawn away from God by. God wants that stuff to manifest. Why? So you can let it go. Let it go. Let go of the desires of self-will. Let go of the desires of stubbornness. Let go of the desires of I refuse to change. Let go of the desires of pride, let go of the desires of self-seeking. And God allows us to be tested by the enemy so that we can allow what manifests to be given to God. Ephesians 5 says that we're children of light. It also says that anything that's not of light, we bring it to the light so that it can be light. So then in James, it says every good and perfect gift comes down From the Father of lights. Now, I believe the good and perfect gift is you. Pastor just said he wrote a book about the season is you. You are the season. I agree. So, the good and perfect gift that is in the earth is a son and a daughter of God. We have a Father who doesn't need anything. He doesn't need us to worship Him. He doesn't need us to give anything to Him. He doesn't need us to read our word doesn't need us to tell anybody about it. We need to. Yes. You see, he came to heal our world. His world was fine. Yes, come on. He said you can count on his world. You can even pray, our Father in heaven, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That tells you as it is. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, anything that was not a witness of God simply fell out of heaven. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It was cast out. It couldn't stay. What was not a witness of God can't remain in the presence of God. So all is well in God's kingdom. But he came to bring his kingdom into our world. He came to heal our world. He came to heal our lives. So I believe the good and perfect gift is us when we know who we are. So I have a question. What direction are we facing in life? You're going to go to bed tonight, and it's legitimate at night to face in the direction of darkness. That way you can sleep through the whole night. I used to work night shift, you know, 5.30 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. And I used to do, I did that for many years. And usually at 3 a.m. I'd do an experiment. I'd close my eyes and I'd look outside and it looked exactly the same, dark. And then I said, you know, humans aren't supposed to be awake this time of night. (laughs) And I thought there's got to be a better way than this. I didn't like night shift. You have to sleep with earplugs during the day. You have to compensate to stay up all night. I know some of you, maybe some of you have worked night shift or you work night shift, so you know what I'm saying. And sometimes in the middle of the night, it's, it's a bit of an endurance race to stay awake in the night. It's easier to stay awake in the light. Well, I just said a profound truth. You know, it's difficult sometimes to stay awake in the night, but it's real easy or easier to stay awake in the light. Because when your eyes are open and you look outside, it's light, it matches. My granddaughter would say, (laughs) matchy-matchy. So it's a matchy-matchy. It's the same. So you're meant to be children of the light. You're meant to live in the light. Now, the way of the world is to focus upon personal desires and needs. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said some things about that. He said, the way of the world is they, they worry about what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I, we could include, what am I going to be? What am I going to do? What's my future going to be? What's my passions going to be? It's all about me, 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 me. Now, that doesn't make them bad. It makes them confused about life. When your focus is me, 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 it doesn't make you bad. It just makes your focus wrong. God made you and I in his likeness and image. We're the only creation that is in the likeness and the image of God. And he gave us dominion over the works of his hands, Psalms chapter 8. So I've told you before, some people believe, I used to believe that God is in control. I've read my Bible a little more carefully and there is no verse that says God is in control. There's lots of verses that says he owns it all. He's in charge. Bonnie and I, we've been married for 46 and a half years. If our marriage fails, it's not because God is in control. It's because we were in control and we messed up. So the answer to our marriage is if both her and I get intimate with the one who's in charge, intimate with the one who owns us, then our marriage will be different. God gets blamed for all kinds of things. If God is so good, why do bad things happen? Because man's in control, that's why. And God is in charge, and he's inviting you to have a relationship with him in your very own way, in the way you are. He knows who you are. He knows how you think. In your father's house, there are many rooms. Some of you meet God in this room. Some of you meet God in that room. God's got enough room in his heart for all the rooms. And he wants you to come alive in the room that you meet him in. He doesn't change, but he doesn't mind that in his house there are many rooms. He's big enough to fill every room. He's big enough for every closet. He's big enough for the kitchen, the shop. He's big enough for the sewing room. He's big enough for the living room. He's big enough for every bathroom. (laughs) He's big enough for a theater. I don't know what rooms you meet God in, but he's big enough for your room, and he wants to meet you so that you can fulfill your destiny in life, to be like your Father. And what is that? He doesn't need anything. He gives life. He gives breath. He gives all things. You see, we waste too much time focusing on what we need, and we waste precious moments when we can be giving. I've just traveled to a lot of nations. I had a, another couple of 30-hour days. Uh, I think uh, it, when I when I went to Africa, I got detained by the customs agents on some books I had. it was donating, and so I had to come up with a price for the books and figure all that out. And I didn't get in until like 2.30 in the morning. And between a couple of days travel, I think I got four hours of sleep in three days, and I'm, I was ministering. And then on the way home, I had a couple of days that were very similar. But you know what makes it, uh, makes it uh, you able to do that? Be a giver. That's what makes you able to do that. If you understand that your father's a giver and he made you to be a giver of life to your world, you can do things that you don't think you can do because you are looking to give, not to get. Now, after a while, it's nice if you get a little bit, like some sleep. Your father knows, Matthew 6, your father knows what you need. Even before you ask, he'll take care of your needs. He'll take care of your desires, but your focus should not be your needs. What should your focus be? According to Matthew 6, your focus should be, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Uh, 50 years old in Christ, what am I learning? I'm still learning. I'm a permanent student. Uh, I'm, I'm delightfully learning. I'm, I'm learning to be a little child. I'm learning to be an overcomer. I'm learning to be a, a father. Uh, I'm learning to be like my dad. Uh, I'm learning to be a friend. A friend doesn't need anything. If a friend needs something, well, they might not really be a friend. A friend gives. That's what they do. And I've had an opportunity for God to show me that in 50 years, the most important thing I've learned is that he's my friend. And I'm beginning to grow in being his friend. And I'm also beginning to be able, I was blessed this last year hugely in being able to be a friend to a number of people on planet Earth based on I don't get anything. I'm just a friend. And now, when I took that position and took that attitude, all kinds of doors started opening for me. Not that I need doors to open, but they started opening like magic when I quit looking for doors. Just simply be a friend, be a life giver. Now, the kingdom of God, Jesus, I I know I've said these verses before because I probably say them almost anywhere I am on planet Earth, because I think the words of Jesus are pretty important.
1: Yes.
0: And we, we live in a, in a world that has uh, instant information right now. You can go and you can find out what's going on anywhere on the planet. Uh, Google search will give it to you. Even this morning, you can find out stuff that's happening instantly. And so a lot of times we say, well, the, you know, the world is getting so bad. It's getting so bad. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I would say the world's getting so manifested. Because there's a lot of things that have been swept under the rug. You see, in this room, um, there's worry, there's anxiety, there's hate, there's jealousy. There's all kinds of things that should not be in our lives. There's oppression depression I, I i can name off stuff that's in the room and and also we can say well you know we're not supposed to have that so we we lift this and we put it underneath this rug and then it's nice and neat cuz the law says we're not supposed to have those things so we discipline the flesh and we stuff it all under the rug we stuff all of our our worries under the rug as long as i i don't show it on my face it's okay it's under the rug My temptations, my vulnerabilities, I shove them all under the rug. The law is clean. The law is neat. The law controls. The law conforms. The law informs. The law is wonderful. The law is good. It's a great rug. But it doesn't change the world. So I think we're in a season where God says everything that's been swept under the rug, no more am I sweeping it under the rug. Now, why? Because iniquity is not sin, but it will lead to sin. Transgression is not sin, but it's one step away. So iniquity is a weakness, an internal weakness that makes you vulnerable to transgress. And the end result is you sin. And what is sin? Disconnection from life. God has never killed a sinner. He never will kill a sinner. Sin kills a sinner every time. Disconnection from life will kill you. God's judgments are preemptive, not reactive. When He says, Don't do that, that's a judgment. Don't do that. Come to me. Come to me. That's His judgment. Don't do that. That'll kill you. Come to me. Come to me. That's His judgment. Don't go there. That'll kill you. Come to me. I'm life. I'll give you life. And when we go there, the judgment of God comes on us. But the judgment was before we went there, not after we got there. God doesn't judge us for going there. He prejudged, this will kill you, don't go there. I'll challenge you to look at anything in the scripture and look at it through the eyes of judgment being preemptive, not reactive. And you'll get a different lens in reading scripture. Even when, When things get destroyed, when God says to destroy something, it's really the consequence of the fruit of something he said not to do in the first place. Now, why did he say not to do it? Not because he's a controller, but because he's a giver. You see, our God is a jealous God. But we define jealousy as I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm really jealous. God defines jealousy as you're not allowing me to give to you what I want to give to you. A perfect world for God is a world that's
1: formless, void, and dark. Because he can be
0: himself in that space. Are you formless? Fantastic. His love's for you. Are you empty? A perfect world. He wants to fill you up. Do you have darkness? Fantastic. He's light. Walks into the room, everything's changed. But if you have all those three things taken care of already, he has a difficult time being himself. He's not a controller. He's not a taker. He's a giver. Even when it comes to hearing God, he doesn't say, let him who wrestles, struggles, strives and sweats, hear me. He says, let him who has an ear, hear. Just let your ears be open to him prophet Isaiah says that the religious house doesn't hear him because their ears are heavy and their hearts are dull. Some modern translations try to fix that because that doesn't make sense to have heavy ears and dull hearts. You shouldn't have a heavy heart and dull ears. That would be true if the voice of God was to your soul. But the voice of God is to your spirit. But when you listen with your ears too much, your ears become heavy, and you can't listen with your heart because your heart is too dull. We don't hear God with our souls; we hear God with our spirit. Then our spirit speaks to our soul from the inside out. He gives us thoughts, He gives us reasoning, imagination, emotions, and desires. It all sounds like life. It all makes you come. Alive. It is all light. (laughs) It's amazing. We have redefined so many things. You know, I've told you before, even the word apocalypse. We've redefined it so much they had to change the dictionaries. If it's it's disaster, we call it apocalyptic. But the word apocalypse means what was hidden is no longer hidden anymore. And by the way, it's an apocalypse of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of a person that you couldn't see before. It's a revelation that he's standing in your life. It's a revelation that you're an overcomer. It's a revelation that you live in and from the throne room. It's a revelation that he fulfilled the law. It's a revelation that false things get removed. It's a revelation that your thoughts get restored toward God and toward others. It's a revelation that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. It's a revelation that there's life that flows out of you because what was not opened before has been opened unto you. Peter said, there's grace that comes at a revelation of Jesus Christ. There's grace that comes at an apocalypse of Jesus Christ. I am planning on an apocalypse today. I woke up this morning, I ran my six miles, and I opened my spirit for another revelation of Jesus Christ. My focus is not ends. My focus is the kingdom of God. Jesus said this in Luke 17, 20 and 21, when he was approached by a Pharisee, What will be the sign? What will be the sign of the coming of your kingdom? And Jesus responded, He said, The kingdom of God does not come by observation, the kingdom of God is within you.
1: So there's nothing
0: happening in the planet, in the kingdoms of men, that can tell you the kingdom of God is here or the kingdom of God is there. The only place that can tell you anything about the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus came, there was a collision. The first collision was the kingdom of God collided with the kingdom of Israel. He came to his own. A collision with the kingdom of Israel to see if the kingdom of Israel would bow the knee to the kingdom of God. And they did because the 24 elders, whether it be the sealing of the old covenant or the foundation of the new, are all Jews. So God loves the Jewish people because they're the first. But he calls all people sons and daughters of God from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. He calls us all to be sons and daughters of God. And because he came to that kingdom first, he can go to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. He came to Ted Hansen, and Ted Hansen had a decision. Am I going to hold on to the kingdom of Ted? Or am I going to bow my knee to the kingdom of God and let the kingdom of Ted become a kingdom of his Lord and Christ? I believe that every nation, every human being, every person is in a collision. And the collision is, are you going to choose life? Are you going to hold on to death? The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. All authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, submerging them into the identity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them as I have taught you. How did he teach his disciples? Yeah, look at me, follow me. Hey, let's eat together. Hey, let's live together. Hey, you know what? We'll add some words. Hey, I'm light in the darkness. Follow me, be with me. You know what? I'm salt, I'm light. Come, let's eat together. Did you know you're our children of light? I can't condemn a world that can't see him and doesn't know him, but I can be someone who sees him and knows him and I can have dinner with someone who doesn't know him And they can see something of him. Because I'm a giver of life. The kingdom of God is within me. Paul said it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's an internal God, you're my God. That's an internal, whoa, I'm a God person. There's no gap between me and him. And that's an internal joy in the Holy Spirit, a partnership with God. We call it Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles. But there's an internal feast. (laughs) An internal feast. He passed over my sins. Death can't enter this house. There's an internal feast. I'm connected to heaven, and heaven is spilling over on my life. Can you smell the pomegranates? Can you hear the bells? Can you see the charisma, the testimony of heaven spilling out of me? And I'm in partnership with my heavenly Father. My life is a season of harvest. My life is harvest, 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 harvest. Harvest, and then one day there's going to be a final trumpet that celebrates the harvest of my life as a son of God. Same is true for you, for children of light. So, our focus in life should be the kingdom of God. What's happening inside of you that's going to make your kingdom become an expression of the kingdom of God? What's God doing within you? In second Corinthians chapter three verses sixteen through eighteen he says when someone turns to the Lord he says he said you know the old covenant was a covenant that was read yeah like you know you take your notes that's a good thing take right. notes you take notes, but if that's all you have is notes, you can try to remember those notes, but after a while you'll have a hard time even organizing where they are that's right. <laughs> I have all kinds of sermons you know in 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 notes and and they're in this little tablet up here Man, it's difficult to even search through there and find they're in there. You have to know some keyword to find it. So those notes aren't going to change anything, but those notes can be a testimony of the true notes that are going on in my heart and my mind. What's going on in my relationship with my father? What's going on in my relationship with Jesus? What's going on in my connection to Holy Spirit? What's going on in the kingdom of God that's within me? So it says in 2 Corinthians 3, says when one turns to the, there's a veil if it's just information, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And then we behold him as in a mirror. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Huh? Who do you see when you look in the mirror? Yourself. And you're seeing yourself change. Little by little, from glory to glory, he's changing you. You're not the same as you were, and it's like a fruit thing. It's not a discipline of the flesh. It's a connection to Jesus as Lord in your heart. When one turns to the Lord, then the next chapter says, it says, it's we have light shining out of darkness. Okay? In me, there is no darkness, but there are layers of me that do have darkness. But the good news is the light of Christ that's within me shines out of the darkness, transforming it to life. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence may be of God and not of us. The story that depicts that clearly is Gideon when he defeated the Midianites with just a handful of people with some clay pots with torches in yeah. and a trumpet the prophetic sound of the spirit and the light of Christ within the vessel break the vessel the light and the sound destroys all the judgment of the enemy so it doesn't matter what's on the surface of your life what matters is what's in the heart of your life and how do you let that out how do you let the light shine for children of light in acts chapter 2 I'm going to read some verses. This is explaining what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon the first fruit church, the first fruit body of Christ, 120. The Holy Spirit came and they began to magnify God. They began to speak in tongues. They began to speak in languages. I think there were a lot of things in effect. They were accused of being drunk, so it wasn't just a matter of speaking language. You know, Iman Lucio Povice Jesus Christus, That's you're probably not going to accuse me of being drunk yet. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I could speak in in Bulgarian or I could speak in Portuguese, and you're not going to accuse me of being drunk. But maybe I could speak those same languages in an intoxicated way, and you'd accuse me of being drunk. So I don't know if everybody was speaking languages that were understood or if. The Hungry simply heard them in their own languages because the Holy Spirit was strong enough that the Persian and the Greek heard one person in their own languages. Maybe.
1: Yeah.
0: Paul says that when I speak in a tongue, no one understands. Now, I've seen languages that are understood. We've had conferences where we had some Bulgarian guests, and one of our people was speaking in Bulgarian, didn't know it, and they heard it in Bulgarian. So it happens. Yeah. My good friend Henry, who Got promoted here a year before last, went to heaven. But he he was in a country in Africa and singing in tongues the way he usually did in a message. And uh, the people started singing with him. And he's thinking, well, they're just following along. And he's singing in tongues. And at the end, his translator said, how did you know that? That, That's an ancient dialect of something that the tribes use. And they don't use that anymore. But the people know it. And so he, he didn't know it, but he was singing in their language. So that happened. But the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2. And and Peter gives the explanation of the Holy Spirit, of the submersion of Holy Spirit in human life. And he says this in in verse uh, 15. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men's servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I simply say they shall speak and life happens. They shall prophesy. They shall speak and life happens. They shall speak and their world will change. They shall speak and life will happen. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before or in the face of the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, whenever you see something quoted, From the Old Testament, you should look at the Old Testament verse. Is that what Joel said? It's not what Joel said. Almost what Joel said. Joel didn't say in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh. So why did Peter say in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh? Joel said afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh. Peter's talking to a crowd who are in a quandary, do we hold on to the Kingdom of Israel, or do we receive this kingdom of God that is now come into our space? Do I hold on to the Kingdom of Ted, or do I receive this now kingdom that has come into my space? because afterwards, after I lose my life, I save it. after I lay it down, I find it. after I let go of my kingdom. I receive the anointing of his kingdom, and I can prophesy. I speak, and life happens. That's what Joel was saying. So now let me confirm this, and this includes the sun turning black and the moon turning to blood. By the way, Scripture interprets Scripture. Very bad book to go to for interpretation of Scripture is Star Wars. Battlestar Galactica is not a good one. Uh, War of the Worlds is not a good source. Science fiction is not a good source. Um, creation, not by man, but by God. That's a good source. Go out and look at some trees and let let God talk to you. That'll help. Uh, And then your Bible. The language of Scripture interprets Scripture. Okay, And and it's written in a way because he's trying to communicate to you heaven language and you don't speak heaven. It would be like if you were going to China, this may be a shock to you, but they speak Chinese. In China. Okay? So God speaks God. So what he does to help you out, he takes your language, particularly the language of creation that reveals the mystery of the Godhead, and he says some things over and over again so that you could maybe get an idea of what he might be saying by studying the language of God. And by the way, that's not English, and it's not even Hebrew it's not Greek. It's simply God communicating some things in a specific way. And in this, we see the sun turning black and the moon turning to blood in the face of this coming of the Lord. That word behold uh, before can also be translated in the face of, in the face of. Now, what just happened in Acts 2? In Acts 2, Ten days earlier, Jesus had ascended in bodily form into heaven. They watched him go into the cloud. If You study cloud, you'll find that the cloud always means the manifest presence of God. It's really good news for God's people. It's bad news if you hold on to what the cloud removes. When God walks into a room of darkness, guess what gets removed? Darkness. When God walks into a room of death, guess what gets removed? Now, if you hold on to death, it's not good news for you if you think death is good news. (laughs) So what you want to do is look to Jesus, look to God. When he walks into the room, look to him and let go of anything that can be removed. (laughs) Let go of anything that can be removed. So you don't have to be removed. He said you don't have to. He walks into the room so that anything that can be removed gets removed so that you can be you. So he can reveal himself as your father. He can reveal that you're his son, you're his daughter. He's very pleased with you. Before you do a single thing, he's pleased with you. And he wants to anoint you and empower you to do things that are pleasing because he's so pleased with you. He wants you to live in freedom, not bondage. He wants you to be a life giver. He wants you to be the likeness and the image of your dad who doesn't need anything. He gives life, breath, and all things. He wants you to realize you make a great you and a terrible someone else. You traded away your beauty for some crazy ashes, but he came and he had an anointing to get your beauty back. He traded away your your praise for some crazy heaviness, but Jesus came with an anointing to give you your praise back. You traded away your freedom for some captivity, but Jesus has an anointing. He went and, made, and bought your freedom back so that you can let go of that captivity. You can let go of that broken heart. You can let go of that blindness. You can let go of what you traded the truth for, some lie. So these things, he says, uh, you're going to be prophetic. Now, in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 5, talking about being children of light because our father of lights he gives good and perfect gifts arise shine your light has come now Isaiah 60s is after Isaiah 59 yeah. <laughs> Isaiah 59 is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ Isaiah 58 59 reveals that the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was so brutal in the Hebrew language in the roots, it was so brutal you couldn't tell whether he was a man or a woman you couldn't tell what race he was he was he was a, a astonishing to look at disgusting to look at at his crucifixion, probably worse than the passion of the Christ that was the movie yeah you couldn't tell what he was why? because he was you what race was he yes <laughs> he, he was he was every expression of humanity and he offered his life on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's the cross he stretched out the arms of the tree of life and let the tree of life be nailed onto the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and knowledge of good and evil couldn't swallow him he destroyed the 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 consequence of the knowledge of good and evil by being a son of his heavenly father For the sake of us all. And he shed blood seven places to give us seven graces. The sevenfold Holy Spirit that is the life of the body of Christ. The life of your body. The body of Christ. Is no longer the life of the flesh. The blood of the body of Christ. Is the Holy Spirit. The blood of the cross made it possible for you to get the blood of the body of Christ. And it does what blood does. It does a good warfare, provides oxygen, provides health, life life to every part, every cell of your being. But you are no longer according to the flesh. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. He's poured out his spirit upon you to testify of who you are within to be a life giver in your world. You are children of light. So after the crucifixion, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, those who have no idea about a covenant with God, shall come to your light. And kings, to the brightness of your rising. But you have to arise and shine. Know who you are. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. He's made it possible that the spirit of God can be on all flesh. But not all flesh knows that. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the helper. He's going to be not only with you like I'm with you, but he's also going to be in you. He's the one whom the world cannot see. They cannot receive him. They don't know him. They can't see him. Now He didn't say condemn the world for not being able to see. You don't ever need to condemn a sinner. There should never be a preaching where you condemn a sinner. You should be so focused on light and life that the message of life will automatically convict those who don't have it. If you're wasting your time preaching against anything you're wasting your time hey you you, you we say in portugal no tem temple but you so you don't have time for that you need to be a life giver seven days a week 24 hours a day prophesy what does the world say i don't care what the world says what does god say This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today, my children will rise up and call you blessed, God. Today, my world will receive life. Sick people will be healed. People in bondage will be delivered. And the goodness of God will prevail because the love of my father can never fail. He's bringing forth his glory like a shining bright light. And no longer are people bound to the night. For the earth is turning in the direction of his face. Because he's the one who wants to give amazing grace. (laughs) So the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather together. They come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea, the abundance of the world shall be turned to you. And the wealth of those who don't have a covenant with God shall come to you. By the way, I don't think that's their money. I think that's them. You know why? They make a great themselves and a terrible you, and you make a terrible them. But God would that all come and know that he is the father of all flesh. God desires that the wealth of the Gentiles would come into the house of God and realize, wow, I was so glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. So arise and shine. Holy Spirit empowers us to be life-giving. Now, sunrises happen when the earth bows in the direction of the sun. Arise and shine when the earth bows. I know I've said this before here, but, uh, you know, Our experience this morning was a fantastic sunrise. It was a little late in coming. I was still out running at 7.30. The moon was pretty high in the sky. The sun was just starting to peak. Uh, But the sunrise in the morning, it makes you feel good. You know, the sunrise feels good. Uh, And whenever the sun arises, it just feels good. But the truth is the sun doesn't rise. The earth turns. The earth bows. You have to bow to have a sunrise. But, you know, we could have said this morning, man, in Bellingham, we had such a good earth rotation. Wow, man, that earth. Whoa, did you feel that earth rotation this morning? What a wonderful deal. No, that's not the experience. The experience is, wow, did you see that sunrise? See, when anyone turns to the Lord, there's a sunrise. When anyone turns in the direction, when anyone bows in the direction of the one who never moves. You see, the sun does not move. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never been in trouble. He's never been a taker. A perfect world for him is a world where he can be himself. He's not shaken by formless void and dark things. He just says, come to me.
1: Come to me. So sunrise
0: happens when we turn toward the light. So sunrises happen when the earth bow in the direction of the sun. So the question is, what is the sound of our lives? What is the atmosphere of our lives? What do people see? What do people hear? What do people experience when we walk into the world? I believe that God is releasing such a grace in this hour for us to be the children of God. For us to be sons and daughters. For there to be a stronger prophetic voice than the old covenant prophet. You see, the prophetic voice always points to heaven on earth. And before Jesus came, the administration of mankind was the knowledge of good and evil. That wasn't God's decision. That was Adam's decision. But then Jesus came and made a new covenant. I spelled new covenant N-O-W. The moment it's not now, it's not new. And the New Covenant is not a time in history. It's a time of relationship, a place in relationship. So outside of Christ, people still live according to the knowledge of good and evil. But no one has to. I know I've told you before that one of the meanest animals on the planet is a crocogator. A crocogator has a crocodile head on one end and an alligator head on the other end. And it has nothing but teeth. It eats and eats and eats. And you don't want to run into a crocogator. And there's one thing that's worse than a crocogator because it's, it's a it's a spiritually powered thing. It's called a Christian gator. And a Christian gator is someone who used to live by the knowledge of good and evil, but then they accepted Jesus as Lord. So they got a new headship, but they didn't want to let go of the old headship. So they have the headship of life and love, and they still hold on to the headship of law and the knowledge of good and evil. And they got no way of getting rid of anything. And a Christigator becomes very constipated after a while. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They judge themselves by one headship. He loves me. But they judge everybody else by the other headship. He would love you if. Until oh, yeah. so they eat and eat and eat and eat. And a Christigator becomes an instigator. That's what Christigators do. They're instigators. Christigators. <laughs> <laughs> now. I think I could have a bit of an instigator in me if I don't let the headship of Jesus and the kingdom of God in me prevail over the headship of Ted in increasing measure. Okay? I'm not going to be stupid. I'm going to say I have some blind spots. You want to know what they are? I have no clue. I'm really blind. I've got some deceptions. You want to know what they are? I wish I knew. They're very deceptive. But you know what? Last year, Jesus came. And some of my deceptions got destroyed. And for 50 years, every year, I lose more because I find I gain more. Yeah. And whenever he walks wow, into the room, whenever he walks into the space, everything changes. <laughs> Hallelujah! And it happens when I turn toward him in my heart. And I can arise and shine. Now, God is great, God is good, and His mercy endures forever. That's the sound of who He is. If it doesn't sound like He's great, if it doesn't sound like He's good, if it doesn't sound like His mercy endures forever, it wasn't Him. Okay, those match three eternal things. Eternal things probably are pretty important, huh? Like faith is eternal, hope is eternal, and love is eternal. Faith. God is great. You can always have faith. Why? God's great. You can always have hope. Why? God's good. And you can always have love. Why? His mercy endures forever. If you study the Old Testament, wherever they did worship, those were the three sounds that was heard. And so that's the three sounds of the kingdom of God within me. God is great. He passed over my sins. Oh, he gave me peace. He joined me to him. Man, he is good. And he's in partnership with me in everything. I tabernacle with him. He tabernacles with me. Man, he is so loving. His mercy endures forever. Now, in Isaiah 60, we come to the end of the chapter. And it says in Isaiah 60, verse 19, concerning us who are the children of light, arise and shine, your light has come. In the world there's darkness, gross darkness. Not on, not on you. Now, that doesn't mean you're better than. That means you are light in the darkness. You see, the sun rules the day. But you know what where you
1: rule? In the night.
0: Yeah, you're stars. You're stars. You're superstars. You are stars. You are sons and daughters of God, meant to rule in the night. Leading people to the day. What day? The day that knows no end. The day of Christ. It says concerning us in verse 19, the sun shall no longer be your light by day. The sun turned black. The natural sun turned black. Why? The sun shall no longer be your light by day for the brightness shall be, nor for brightness the moon give its light. See, the the moon turned, the life of the flesh went out of your kingdom. The moon turned to blood. The, The sun turned black. Your natural kingdom ended. By the way, that same description describes the fall of Edom, the fall of Egypt, the fall of Babylon. It describes the end of a natural kingdom. For the Lord Will be an everlasting light. And your God, your glory, your sun shall no longer go down. Nor shall your moon withdraw itself. (laughs) You can be prophetic now. You can speak and life happens now. Why? You're not dependent upon seasons. (gasps) You are the season. You're not dependent upon changes. You're the change. You're not dependent upon circumstances lining up. You line up circumstances. (laughs) Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning, your grieving, your mourning, shall be ended. Also, your people shall all be righteous, and they shall inherit the land forever. So he's talking about Arise and shine when Jesus Christ came into your world, He came so that you could be a testimony of His world in your world. The Word became flesh, moved into the neighborhood, so that anybody in the neighborhood, any flesh in the neighborhood could become a testimony of the Word. And I'm not talking about scripture memory, I'm talking about the character, the nature, the way. power the authority the testimony of giving life to your world so what has our attention in life (laughs) are we turning to the Lord Are, are we are we arising do we turn to the sun is he our sun is he our moon is he our season what direction are we facing Are we seeking our will or are we seeking God's kingdom and will to be done in our lives? Are we looking towards life or are we looking towards death? Are we looking towards things that can't shake or are we looking toward things that shake? Are we facing sunrises or are we facing sunsets? Do we see the glass filling up or do we see it getting empty? the desirable place is in the east
1: and what happens in the east
0: we experience a sunrise because the earth turns toward the east and the sun never moves so in the east there was a place called eden it means desirable desirable same meaning as the word Ephesus as the church of Ephesians or the first letter of revelation and what's the first letter of revelation the first letter of revelation is you know how to tell who's sent who's not sent you're really good at perseverance you do all kinds of garden work oh you hate evil but you missed the point you
1: forgot the purpose of the garden and Jesus is revealed as the one who walks in your midst
0: You know what the purpose of your life is? Knowing God. (laughs) And then you'll do all kinds of things. But you got to return to your first love. When when that letter is commended, the first church, the church of Ephesus, the church of Eden, the church of desirable place, the church in the east, Jesus is seen walking in their midst. They're, they're commended for You know how to persevere. You know how to cultivate. You know how to hoe. You know how to pull weeds out of the garden. You, you have discerned who's a true sent one, who's not one. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You hate the flesh. You see, you've become all about anti-sin, anti-this, anti-that. All about the knowledge of good and evil. And you, you forgot the purpose of the garden. So I want you to return to your first love. He who has an ear to hear,
1: let him hear. And I'll give him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise
0: of God. So if I'm going to rise and shine, my day, my life has to be focused on knowing him, letting him walk
1: in my life. The first day that God walked in Adam's life, Adam hadn't done a single thing. And it was called Sabbath. Man's
0: first day was God's seventh day. And man was told to rest. Because God was resting. But God wasn't resting because he was exhausted. God was satisfied. God rests because he's satisfied. And then he wanted man to experience that so that he could live from rest, not striving to rest. When you live from rest, when you live from sunrises, you know what your life will be? Day.
1: (laughs) If you live from sunsets... Then your life will be night,
0: which is what the world lives in. They live in their children of the night. Right. They live in darkness. I can't condemn them or shame them for that. I need to be a star. Yeah. I need to be a light. I need to invite them to know the one who sees them for who they are before they see him for who he is. So this place of a personal relationship with God, is a place of dependency upon God. I define paradise as a place where nothing works without God. If paradise is a place where everything works,
1: I'm not interested.
0: That's hell in disguise. But if paradise is a place where nothing works without God, then when I find God, everything will work. You see Paradise is a place of being dependent upon the one who loves you. I'll simply close by saying this. It was an east wind that parted the Red Sea. The tabernacle of witness faced east. The mercy seat and the sprinkling of blood was on the east side of the altar. The daily ministry of the priest began by living in the east. Judah and those who properly discerned the times pitched their tent to the east of the tabernacle. The temple of Solomon faced east. They're all prophesying you need to go to him. You need to go to him. Turn to the sun. Turn to the sun. Turn to the sun. Elisha even told Joash, the king of Israel, to shoot his arrows. Where? To the east.
1: So, you know who didn't look
0: to the east? Cain went out from the east became very successful. They were industrialists. They were entrepreneurs. They were musicians and artists. And they all died in the flood singing the song of bitterness because they went out from the east. Cain went out. Mankind, when they built the Tower of Babel, they went out from the east.
1: So I've just come to encourage you today to tell you, your father is light and you are children of light. So this week,
0: turn to the son, know that he's very pleased with you. He's very pleased to call you his sons. He's very pleased to call you his daughters. He knows the miracles that you need and you do need some. He knows the answers that you need. He knows that you live in a world that has many futile things, many things that are temporary. He knows that you live in a world that has darkness and even gross darkness. But he wants you to know that he is who he is. He's your father and he loves you. and You are his likeness and his image. And if you'll turn to him in your heart, you'll see the glory of the Lord rise because we are children of light. I'm not worried about end times. I took care of mine 50 years ago. If you haven't done that yet, please do. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And if you've come to Jesus, keep looking to Jesus. See him again today. Did you know the word for coming? The coming of the Lord uh, is both a perfect and imperfect tense. There's not just the day of the event. It's actually May and "perusia" two Greek words. may means something that happens, and then it continues to happen. It's coming, like he's coming. He's coming into the room. He's coming. So there's going to come a time where there's a coming moment of Jesus. But you know what? He comes. He came today. But then he also, there's a word called parousia, which means he abides. Now, there's going to come a time when everything is matured and culminated and there's a fullness of all things. But I'm not living for that day. I'm living in the day that will get me to that day. My hope is not that day. My hope is the coming of the Lord today. I need an May, the coming of the Lord today. He's here. And how, am I, how is he going to come into my life? By me bowing in his direction. When I turn to the Lord and acknowledge that he has poured out his spirit on this flesh. Because my last day was 50 years ago. And I'm living in the day of the Lord. I'm not I'm not shaken by what's going on in my in my world. I'm mandated to bring Christ into my world. I should say I'm not shaken by what's going on in the world. I'm not distracted by what's going on in the world. I've got plenty to deal with in my world. So if everybody will bring the light of Christ to their world, the light of Christ will affect the world. Jesus didn't pray for the world. He prayed for those that God gave him as an example in the same way that God sent him. He sent his disciples. He sent there. He sent more disciples. He sent you. You were born for your world. And you were born to be a son or a daughter of God for your world. You see, I don't pray for Angola,
1: Africa. I pray for some Angolans. I know
0: them. I eat with them. I hug their necks God loves Angola but God didn't send me to Angola he sent me to some Angolans. he
1: sent
0: me to uh, he sent me to everyone's church there's a lot of great churches here but I'm not sent to all of them I'm, I'm just in my world
1: <laughs>
0: and what's our responsibility to arise and shine bring light to so Jesus we thank you we thank you we thank you for the great price that you paid to leave glory for a moment for the prize that was beyond what we could not see you saw what the father saw you made it possible for us to be reconciled to be restored reconnected to our father thank you that you gave that sacrifice thank you that you were a firstborn of a new creation that we are the family of god And Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are the helper, the intercessor, the comforter, the one who draws heaven into us even when we're sleeping. Thank you that you are the light of Christ within us, the hope of glory. And you've come in Jesus' name. You even inspire our own human spirits to cry out in truth, Abba, Father. Thank you
1: that this week is a week and we get to live it. We're expecting divine appointment
0: where we can be light. We're expecting opportunities to be life. We thank you that it's not us. The excellence of the treasure is inside of us. And because of that, we can shine in the darkness to transform things that were previously dark to places where you live. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen.